Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. We appreciate you listening every week at this same time to the Bible Crossfire radio program. Um, we talk about on the intro or the outro, Second John verse 9. I don't know if people really realize how serious a passage like Second John verse 9 is when it comes to whether or not we're following the truth of the gospel. Do you realize what Second John 9 says? It says, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ hath both the Father and the Son. So it's not enough just to believe in Jesus. To have God, you have to abide in the doctrine or the teaching of Christ. Most churches will tell you that following the teaching of Christ is not necessarily that important. As long as you're sincere and believe in Christ, then you're going to be okay. But this says if you don't abide in the doctrine or the teaching of Christ, you don't have God. And obviously you can't be saved if you don't have God. The only way we can be saved is through the grace and mercy of God. You may have wondered, well, why do we emphasize the teaching of Christ? What Christ and his apostles taught so much on this program? And that's why. Because you can't be saved unless you abide in the teaching of Christ. So, if you're out here and you say, we're a church, a Christian church, but we allow gay marriage or women preachers or sprinkle babies for baptism, these churches are not abiding in the teaching of Christ, so they don't have God. That's why we emphasize this is because God says that in Second John verse 9. Most people, most believers just completely overlook verses like that <clears throat> that teach us not only important that we believe in Jesus, but if we really believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that means he's our authority. After all, he is God himself, and therefore, if we really believe he's the Son of God, we're going to follow what he said because he's our authority. And if we don't follow what he says, this says we don't have God. We're not going to be saved. So it doesn't matter how sincere you are. If you're not following the teaching of Christ, you don't have God. You can't be saved. So that's why on this program, you'll hear me emphasizing, well, what is the doctrine, the teaching of Christ on various subjects? Because we have to comply with those doctrines. We have to believe and practice what Christ and his word, the New Testament, teaches on these things. Or we won't have God. We won't be saved. Appreciate you listening. Last week, while we were waiting on our first call, and by the way, if you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. Last week, while we were waiting on our first call, we talked about the blind man being healed in John chapter 9. In John 9, 6 and 7, we read this. When he had thus spoken, talking about Jesus, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sin. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Now, the question was asked by Matthew, our first caller, why did Jesus have the guy go wash in the pool of Siloam before he could be healed of his blindness? I mean, he didn't have to. We mentioned last week, and uh, in, in it's in Matthew 8, is one of the accounts of it, beginning in about verse uh, Five and going down through about verses 13 and 14, the centurion, his servant, was sick. The centurion went out to find Jesus and, and said, my servant is sick. Can you heal him? And Jesus was talking to him, and the centurion said, well, you don't really have to come here to do it, to go there to do it. You, you just heal him long distance, and Jesus did. Jesus didn't have to go lay his hands on the centurion servant. He just 
healed him long distance. When the centurion got back, he found that his servant was healed of his sickness. Jesus didn't ask the centurion's servant to go wash in the pool of Siloam. He just healed him. Why did he ask the blind man to go wash in the pool of Siloam? And, and the suggestion is that Jesus, God, wants our faith to act. He wants our faith to act before he gives us the blessing that he's conditioned upon our faith acting. You see that? So he wanted the blind man to do something to show his faith, washing the pool of Siloam. And when he did that, God, Jesus, healed him of his blindness. And if the blind man had chosen not to go wash in the pool of Siloam, no doubt he would not have been healed of his blindness. So what we have is faith in action. God wants our faith to act. And many times he doesn't give us a, a promised blessing until our faith has acted. He doesn't give it to us based upon faith. Many times he wants our faith to act first. Now, if you're looking at the book of Hebrews, chapter Hebrews 11, you'll see this concept taught and referred to many times over and over. For example, if you're following along in your Bible, let's read some verses from Hebrews 11. First of all, Hebrews 11, 4 says, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Do you see the pattern here? And this is what I'm trying to get across to you. By faith, Abel offered. By faith, Abel Offered this sacrifice. By faith, Abel did something. That's what God expects us to do. He expects us to have faith, and then he expects us, by our faith, to do something, to obey. Verse 7 of Hebrews 11. By faith, Noah prepared an ark to the saving of his house and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So, you see the pattern? By faith, somebody did something. By faith, Noah prepared an ark to the saving of his house. There was faith. In action, the action, the faith was necessary for Noah and his family to be saved from the flood. But the action based upon the faith was also necessary to being saved from the flood. It was also necessary to becoming, as the verse says, an heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. By faith, Noah prepared an ark to the saving of his house. If he hadn't built that ark, then his faith would have been dead. Remember? James 2, faith without works is dead, and it wouldn't have accomplished anything. His faith had to act. If you want to, if you have a Bible question or comment, the number to call is 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755 if you have a Bible question or comment. Going on down in Hebrews 11, verse 8, it says, by faith, Abraham obeyed and went out. You remember God asked him to leave the country that he was in to end up? He's asking him to go to what would eventually be the promised land. It's Abraham had no clue where he was going. It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed and went out, not knowing whither he went. You see the pattern there? By faith, Abraham obeyed. You know, it's the same way with us in our salvation. By faith, we have to obey. I'm turning to Galatians chapter 3 to see that. Galatians 3, 26 and 27 will help us to see the same concept that we're talking here, that God expects our faith to act before he gives us the promised blessing that's, blessing that's conditioned upon 
our faith in action. Before we go to Galatians 3, let's take this call. Angie from North Carolina, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Angie, you're on the air. Can you hear me? Hmm, I guess we lost Angie. Angie, if you can hear me, call right back and we'll try to get you on the line. Maybe she has a bad connection. In Galatians 3, 26 and 27, here's what God says. For you're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You see, we're talking about faith. How we become children of God by faith. That's what verse 26 is talking about. 27 begins with this little word for, F-O-R, which means to introduce the reason. In other words, what Paul is saying here is the reason you're a child of God by faith is because you have been baptized into Christ. And the way you became a child of God by faith is by being baptized into Christ. Do you see? By faith, we have to do something. We become a child of God by faith when that faith acts, when that faith obeys. Now, I didn't write Galatians 3, 26 and 27. I just believe it. Do you believe it? It says the way you become a child of God by faith is by being baptized into Christ. So your faith has to act to become a child of God. You're, you don't become a child of God by faith only. You do become a child of God by faith, but it's not by faith only. He says, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ, they put on Christ. So you have to be baptized into Christ to become a child of God by faith. And that's because our faith has to act to get this blessing of salvation. As we read from James 2, faith without works is dead. James 2.24 says, you see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. It takes faith plus action, both. If you have a Bible question or comment, Give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877-655-6755. Now, the caller that we lost there, I could tell they were going to ask a question about homosexuality. I think we mentioned that a while ago. Well, let's, let's read Romans 1, 26 and 27, which clearly condemns homosexuality. It says, for this cause, God gave them up into vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which is meat. So verse 26 is obviously talking about what we call lesbianism and condemning it, women changing the natural use. 27 is talking about gay men. Men changing the natural use of the women, burning in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly. So this passage clearly condemns both types of homosexuality, lesbianism and gay men. Now we get a lot of political pressure in our world today, even pressure upon preachers not to preach against homosexuality, not to preach the truth on it. Well, it, you're bigoted, they say, if you preach the truth on that. But this is what the Bible says, and we have to stand for the truth on it. It doesn't matter what people say. God says that this is a sin. Not only does he say it's a sin, but three times in this text, he says it's unnatural. Many gays aren't born that way. Uh, you ought to be able to tell that because the body parts don't fit. They're, it's unnatural. It's not just a sin, but it's unnatural desire. So homosexuality is condemned by the Bible, which would mean, of course, 
that gay marriage is also condemned by the Bible. It wouldn't make any difference how many churches accept gay marriage now, and most of the major biggest denominations do. That doesn't make any difference. The Bible says, teaches five or six times in the Old Testament that it's wrong, teaches five or six times in the New Testament that it's wrong. That's the only thing that matters, what God says about it. The Bible is the doctrine of Christ. Remember the verse we started out with? You have to abide in the doctrine or the teaching of Christ to have God. Well, the doctrine of Christ says that homosexuality is a sin. So if you don't teach that, then you're not abiding in the teaching of Christ. You don't have God. You're not going to be saved. So if a person is teaching that gays are okay, that it's not a sin, like most of the big denominations teach, that means they're not abiding in the teaching of Christ. They don't have God. They can't be saved. Is that kind of harsh? I don't know. I'm trying to be as kind about it as I can. I'm just telling you what the Bible has to say. You want to hear the truth, don't you? You don't want me to sugarcoat it and lie or lie about the truth, do you? Homosexuals won't be saved. Can they repent, be forgiven? Absolutely they can. But they have to repent just like any other sin. You got to repent of it. You got to quit that sin to get forgiveness for it. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. That number to call again is 877-655-6755. So we were talking about Hebrews 11, verse 8, which says, By faith, Abraham obeyed and went out. And there's our pattern. By faith, Abraham did something. The faith that's by itself never accomplishes anything, really. It's always got to be a faith that acts. By faith, Abraham obeyed. Continuing to talk about Abraham in verse 9, it says, by faith he sojourned. So by faith, Abraham sojourned. His faith was not, not all by itself. It did something. It obeyed and went out. It sojourned. You see, faith leads to action. Isn't that what happened with Jesus asking the blind man that he healed in John 9 to go wash in the pool of Siloam to be healed of his blindness? God required a faith that led to action. And until the faith led to action, the man was going to remain blind. He wasn't going to receive the blessing that Jesus promised him unless his faith acted. Faith by itself wouldn't have done it. If, if the blind man said, Jesus, I believe that you can heal me. I'm 100% sure you can, but I don't see any need to go wash in the pool of Siloam, even though Jesus had told him to. He wouldn't have been healed. He, he could have had all the faith in the world, but if he hadn't go washed, if he hadn't washed in that pool, he would not have been healed. It's the same way with our salvation. We can have all the faith in the world, but if you don't repent and you're going to and be baptized, you're not going to receive the remission of sins, according to Acts 2.38. Peter, by the inspiration of God in Acts 2.38, told some believers, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. So until their faith, these believers, until their, they acted upon their faith, until they repented of their sins, and was ba and were baptized, they didn't receive the remission of sins. They're, they didn't receive the remission of sins based upon their faith only. They had faith, but they had to repent and be baptized to get the remission of sins, according to Acts 2.38. Their faith had to act. Same way with Saul of Tarsus, who later became known as Paul, the apostle. He believed on the road to Damascus, according to Acts 9, 3 through 6. Everybody understand he believed at that point, but was he saved at that point? Just because he believed? No. Ananias told him in Acts twenty two sixteen, at least three days after he believed in Jesus, arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So Saul was not saved when he had the faith, when he believed. The blood of Christ didn't wash away his sins until he was baptized three days after he believed. You see the pattern that we're seeing from Hebrews 11? 
Faith has to act to receive the benefit, the blessing. It was the same way with the blind man in in John chapter 9. It's the same way with our salvation. Faith has to act to receive the promised blessing. In John 9, the blessing was him being healed of his blindness. Now, it's not salvation. It was just being healed physically of his blindness. But with our salvation, our faith has to also act. As we read in Galatians 3, you become a child of God by faith when you are baptized. Verse 27. And notice you, it says, for as many of you has been, have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. You, you have to be baptized into Christ. The only way to get in Christ, meaning in a saved relationship with Christ, in fellowship with Christ, is by being baptized into Christ. It's the only way to get there, baptized into Christ. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. Again, the number to call, the lines are wide open, 877-655-6755. The lady that we missed the call a while ago, if you call back, we'll try to get you on the air. Going back to Hebrews 11, verse 17, still talking about Abraham, it says, by faith, Abraham offered up Isaac. Most of us are familiar with that story from Genesis 22. God asking Abraham to offer his son as a sacrifice, a burnt offering. Abraham was willing to do it, and he was going to do it, and God stopped him at the last moment. But it says, by faith, Abraham offered up Isaac. See, he didn't just have faith all by itself. His faith led to action. And until his faith led to action, Abraham was not pleasing to God. If he'd have said, God, I believe you, I believe in you, but I'm not going to offer my son as a sacrifice, would he have been doing what God said? Would he have been pleasing to God? Don't think so. Do you? Hebrews 11.20 says, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. Do you see again the faith leading to action? By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. His faith led to action. Verse 21, by faith, Jacob blessed both the sons of Joseph in worship. Well, did Jacob have faith? Yes, but was his faith all by itself or did it lead to action? It led to action, didn't it? By faith, Jacob blessed both the sons of Joseph in worship. His faith led to action. It's the same way for us. Our faith needs to lead to action. Faith by itself won't do us any good. It's got to lead to action. As we read from Acts 2.38, it's got to lead to repentance and baptism if we want to get the remission of sins. Hebrews 11.21, by faith, Jacob blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped. Well, we already read that, I think. I'm, I'm repeating myself. You see how his faith led to him doing something, blessing his sons, Joseph, and worshiping? And then verse 22, by faith, Joseph gave commandment concerning his bones. Joseph knew that one day his family, his descendants would eventually leave Egypt. He knew that by faith. And he said, when that happens, I want you to take my bones with you. By faith, Joseph gave commandment concerning his bones. You see how his faith led to action? His faith led to action. It takes faith and then action. Verse 24 of Hebrews 11, by faith, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Hmm. See how his faith led to action? 
By faith, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Did Moses have faith? Yeah. Was it faith alone? No. It led to action, didn't it? it? Verse 26 tells us the reason he did that. He had respect unto the recompense of the reward, just like us. We are thinking about the eternal reward. And so that's why our faith leads to action. You see what I mean? Ron from Virginia, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Ron, you're on the air. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. How you doing? I uh, it was. Uh, uh, hello, my friend. Uh, I'm calling because I was curious about the uh, mark of the beast and how that might be relevant relevant to what we're experiencing now with this mandated vaccine that says you know certain people may not be able to go to work. You may not be able to go to certain stores and buy things. Don't hear a whole lot about people talking about that right now and, and how you how you see that or whether you see this as a forerunner or, or what have you. Well, let me ask you something. I'm going to read you a couple of verses in the book of Revelation. Tell me what you think, Ron. So the book of Revelation is a prophecy, right? Written right. to prophesy about things future to when John, the apostle, wrote the book, right? Right. Right? Now, Revelation 1.1 says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant, John. And then verse 3 of Revelation 1, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Now, Ron, does that sound like to you that the mark of the beast in the 666, which we read about later in the book of Revelation, does that sound like to you that those things would be fulfilled in the first century time frame or something like 2,000 years later, like in today's time? Today's time. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know if I caught that, uh, that part. Uh, um... Don't catch my point. Here's what my point the mark of the beast in the 666, those things were going to be something that occurred future to when John wrote the book of Revelation. But the book of Revelation says four times these events that I'm describing are going to be fulfilled very shortly. Revelation right. 1.1 says things must shortly to come to pass. Revelation 1.3 says for the time is at hand. Okay. Revelation 22.10, this is in the last chapter of the book of Revelation, says, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Okay? Okay. And so, so what I'm saying is, is that whatever the mark of the beast is, whatever 666 refers to, it's referring to something that happened about 1900 years ago. It's not talking about the vaccine or the virus or anything like that. It's talking about something that was going to happen in the time frame of when the book was written. Future to when the book was written, but shortly to come to pass. The time was at hand, meaning the time was close by. You see my okay. point, Ron? Okay. Four All times right. in the book of Revelation, it says that this prophecy, the book of Revelation, is going to be fulfilled in that first century time frame. Revelation 1.1, Revelation 1.3, here we saw it in the last chapter. Revelation chapter 22, verse 10. 
So the mark of the beast, the 666, is not going to refer to something today, the vaccine or anything else. It's referring to something in the first century time frame. The book of John starts out in verse 1 and verse 3 and ends this way in 22 saying, these prophecies in the book of Revelation are going to be fulfilled shortly, not 2,000 years later. You follow my point, Ron? Yes, sir. Yes, hey, sir. Ron, appreciate your call. Yes, sir. Thank you. Have a good evening. All right, bye. We're going to have to go off the air in a couple of minutes. Let me read a couple of more passages from the from Hebrews 11. Well, I don't know if I have time. Talking about Moses, by faith he forsook Egypt, 27. Through faith he kept the Passover, 28. 29, by faith they passed through the Red Sea. 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith Rahab received the spies with, spies with peace. So, so the faith always led to action. If you'd like to have a free one-hour phone Bible study with me at your convenience, call or text me at 256-682-9753.